right. Well, good morning, Mercy Fellowship, once again. Hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. If you don't know me, my name's Curtis. I'm the associate pastor here at the church. Uh, before I begin, what I'd like to do is our church got decorated on Monday, and it looks awesome, by the way. I want to give a round of applause to Melissa Clark and my wife Ruth Hall this morning for everything they did. I think it looks awesome. We are going for rustic, and so she chopped up an old fence and then brought it over in your, your Suburban, and it actually fits. That was really surprising, really cool. Um, so yeah, church, really excited about this. As Trina already said, though, we're going to be starting our Advent sermon series uh, this Sunday, and we're working our way up to Christmas Eve service on the 24th at 7 p.m. as we're going to be talking about hope and peace and joy and love, and this week we're going to be talking about hope, and I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Pastor Chris usually covers the pulpit. He's gone in Salem, Oregon, covering the pulpit for another Acts 29 church while him and his family are out there for, uh, for the holidays. And so if you've got a Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7 is where we're going to be. If you don't have one, it will be up on the screen. But I want to start with posing this question to you. If you and me were chatting either before service or after service, I pose the question to you, hey, how do you feel about the future? What would you say? How would you respond to that question? What, what emotions arise? What, what feelings arise with asking the question of how you might feel about the future? Uh, statistically speaking, when it comes to my generation of millennials and that beneath me of Gen Zers, the, the trajectory and the, the future for these uh, generations looks incredibly bleak, incredibly dark, and incredibly hopeless. I mean, when you look at the statistics, you'll see that suicide is up on all categories. In fact, Jonathan Haidt, he's a sociologist in New York, and he talks about how with preteen girls, suicide is up around 300% from previous generations. You look at the other statistics, there's the fear of climate change just kind of wiping out this planet where it's just going to be apocalyptic and you can't even live on the planet anymore. And Mercy Fellowship, whether you even believe in climate change or not, that's just a reality that people feel and believe. Along with that, the fear of war is up amongst these generations. The, the fear of being able to uh, afford a place to live. And then on top of all of that, just add to your own personal pain and suffering and heartbreak that you deal with. So when they look at the future for them, what they're trying to look you know, beyond the horizon to see if there's a sun that's going to rise, they don't see one. It looks incredibly bleak and dark and hopeless. Now let me say this, okay? Someone who's a millennial, let me just go ahead and, and hold my, my uh, generation accountable. I don't think we've suffered any more than previous generations. Were you with me on that? I don't think our hardships are harder than other generations. We have different problems, and those different problems, they require different solutions, okay? However, I think previous generations had this, where whether it was God, or whether it was nation, or whether it was family, or whether it was a job, they had hope for the future versus these generations that don't. And so when I, I divide these groups, what's the difference? I think the difference is hope versus hopelessness for the future. That's what I'd go ahead and say the difference is between these two. So hope for a better future, Mercy Fellowship. It's an incredibly powerful thing. You know, you, you see hope stamped on Hallmark cards all over, and you think it's just kind of a cute, fun word about the future. But hope has the power to either create cultures, or hopelessness has the power to destroy cultures. It's that powerful. You think about in the 70s, you had the group uh, of Jim Jones, 
and, and that cult that he had. He actually started off as a Pentecostal preacher, okay? Just be weary of Pentecostal preachers. That's all I'm saying, okay? Jim Jones became one. Jim Jones ended up throwing his Bible down in between the pulpits and declared himself to be God, and people were on board with it. It was really crazy, right? They left San Francisco, ended up leaving to South America, and then eventually, out of hopelessness and out of fear of their future, 900-plus people drank poison, and they died in a day. Hopelessness can destroy cultures. Along with that, you can think about infertility, right? Infertility is up, and there's a lot of reasons and statistics and, and, and uh, ideas for why that might be. But one of them that seems like sociologists tend to agree on is due to hopelessness. People don't want to have kids and raise them in a future that doesn't look good, that doesn't look hopeful, that doesn't look better than what they've had before. So hope has the ability to not only destroy cultures, but it also has the ability to create cultures. And I want you to think about this, okay? The building that we're in, Mercy Fellowship, once upon a time, there were saints here in Marysville, and they decided, hey, we believe by faith that God has a future for the people of God here in Marysville, Washington. They put these huge beams up. They put a roof in here. They, they worked on this building, and they bought it outright. The, the building across the street, they ended up buying that as well, and they stewarded and upkept these buildings, and they, and they invested here. Why? Because they had hope for the future. That's why. I mean, I even think about just a couple weeks ago, we had a work party that was across the street, and it was the rare occasion that more people show up than we have supplies for. I was so happy. I was kind of stressed, but I was so happy. And uh, it was awesome. And then even here on Monday, uh, last Monday, we had a bunch of people decorating the church building here and investing here. You don't invest unless you have a future. You don't invest unless you think there's a better future ahead, unless there's something coming up. Hope, Mercy Fellowship. Hopelessness can destroy societies. Hope can build societies. And so let me ask you this question again. How do you feel about the future? Looking forward, how, how do you feel about the future? What are, what are the emotions that take place in your heart and the thoughts that take place in your mind? Perhaps you're coming in this morning, you're saying, yeah, Curtis, my, my future feels hopeless. I look forward for my children and it doesn't look good. I look forward for myself and it doesn't look good. I look forward for my children and my grandchildren and it looks bleak. What hope do you have for the future? What we're going to be looking at today in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, the Apostle Peter, he's writing to a group of Christians known in, as the dispersion. This is a group of churches that are in Asia Minor, and they're all under the uh, Roman Empire. And during this time, scholars believe that the, the emperor at that time was Nero. And why is that significant? Well, if you know anything about uh, church history, Nero treated Christians horrifically, absolutely horrifically. There's stuff that Nero did I cannot say from this pulpit. It was so horrific. A few things I can say, though, is this. You had the Colosseum, obviously, and Christians would just go ahead and be thrown into the Colosseum to be devoured by lions and other beasts. They'd often be destroyed by gladiators for the game and the fun of the Colosseum. Nero, on top of that, he would go ahead and, and he'd have these dinner parties. And in these dinner parties, he would go ahead and, and tie Christians to poles or have them in cages and then light them on fire. So if you're going to be a Christian in Rome, in the beginning of the, the start of the church, you just have to assume you're going to be poor and die young. That's your future. And so what does Peter write to these people that are suffering and in pain and being tortured and murdered? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. 
He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power is being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter starts off talking to persecuted Christians, not depressed, not down, not worried, not anxious about the future, but he starts off with saying, praise be to God. Worthy of praise is God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two things I want us to get from this section just right off the bat. Number one, it is okay, Mercy Fellowship, it is okay for you to bring your burdens and your heartaches to God. If you read the book of Psalms at all, you will see that is a book full of lamenting and bringing things to God. You know, that the joke is Moses has a prayer to God, and if he was to pray that up on stage, we'd be like, Moses, are you, are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? That's a powerful prayer you're praying against God. You can bring your hardships and your pain and your agony to God. But let me ask you this question. Do you ever get to the place in those times of suffering and pain to praise? Do you ever get to the place of rejoicing and thanking God? Peter, he starts off here with saying, God is worthy of praise. You even think about Job in the Old Testament, right? Job had so much taken from him by God, actually. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be God. God is so powerful, Mercy Fellowship, so wonderful that he is worthy of praise despite the suffering, despite the pain, despite the hardships that we face. Praise be to God. And he goes on to say, hey, you've been born again to a living hope. What does that mean? Well, if you know your Bibles, John chapter 3, Jesus has a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And, and Nicodemus, says he's a, a leader in Israel. And he comes to Jesus that night and he says, hey, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus tells him, hey, unless you're born again, you will not inherit nor will you see the kingdom of God. And Peter's taking that and tying it to this idea of living hope, telling the Christians this, hey, hey, you want hope for the future? You want some certainty that, that the light's going to win and darkness isn't? Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he's writing a letter to the church in Rome that we're talking about right now. And he writes and he says, the future that the church has is so glorious so wonderful, so magnificent, that in comparison to our suffering, it will seem like a light and momentary affliction. It'll seem like a light and momentary affliction on the other side. And so the question that you and me have to ask then is this, what's the future that we have as God's people? What great future do we have that allows us to suffer well here in the present? And you gotta go all the way into the end of the Bible in Revelation 21. Working your way up to that, Revelation 19, Jesus comes back uh, to judge the nations. Jesus comes, and we celebrate this season where he comes as a baby, meek and mild, but the second time that Jesus comes back, he comes back to judge the nations and hold them accountable. Jesus, he's riding a white horse. He's got a sword. And just in case you want to know who's in charge, he has tattooed on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's in charge. He's going to hold the nations accountable. So that's Revelation 19. Revelation 20, he goes ahead and destroys Satan, the great deceiver of all people and of this world. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. This one's not going to have sin, church. This one's not going to be corrupt. And the sea was no more. That's apocalyptic literature, and that's them saying godlessness and chaos aren't going to exist anymore. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Listen to this, church. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Throughout church history, Mercy Fellowship, this has been the hope of the church. Because Jesus has been resurrected from the grave, because Jesus has overcome death, the result of that is this, that you have great hope for the future. Why? Because this is your future if you're in Christ. Because this is where you are going. It's not enough for you, Mercy Fellowship, that you just know the beginning of the Bible and you know who your maker is and you know whose image you bear. That's all incredibly important. It's also incredibly important that you know how the story ends. And if you know how the story ends, it allows you to endure in this present time of hardship and suffering and pain. So let me ask you this question. Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you been born again? You might say to me, Curtis, I could never do that. I could never believe in this. It's so outlandish. Well, okay, fine. Let me say this to you. Here's what's true of every human who has ever lived and ever will live. Every human has given their faith and trust and their hope and dreams to something or someone. Every human has. Every human has given their trust and faith and their hopes and dreams to something or someone. And I guess the question I would have for you then is if you don't trust in Jesus, how certain are you that you're going to have a good future ahead? How certain are you that you've got a bright future coming forward? I mean, as followers of Jesus, we have certainty. And we have certainty because of who our God is and his track record of being faithful. That as God was faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful in the future. That as God was loving in the past, he's going to be loving in the future. That as God was generous in the past, he's going to be generous in the future. We have a track record with our God that we can trust. I mean, you even think about the really famous passage. I'm sure most of you know it. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah is writing to, Christian, uh, to church uh, in Israel that's in exile in Babylon, right? We're going through Daniel. We're talking about exiles in Babylon. Jeremiah is writing to them, and he's speaking on behalf of God, and he says, hey, I know the plans I have for you, plans for a future and a hope. We have a track record with our God, and therefore we can trust him. So two things I want us to get from this first section. Number one, we have a hope that doesn't fail. I, I want to be careful and make sure I don't pin myself as a Christian against maybe some of you that are here that aren't Christians, because the reality is we are all guilty of placing our faith and trust in things that are not God. We're all guilty of that, so I don't want to go ahead and pin myself against any of you. And we, we all fall prey to this lie, don't we? If I obtain this, if I have this, if I hit that certain number in the bank account, then my future will be set. But you can't build your life on that. You can't have hope in that. Right? Think about these things for a second with me. If you've come in today and your hope is in your wealth and all that you've built up over your life, what happens when that wealth fades as it often does? 
If you come in today and your hope is in your business and how sturdy it is and the structure that you have with your job, what happens when you get laid off? What happens when your business tanks? If you come in today and your hope is in your spouse or in a relationship that you have, what happens when that relationship falls apart and that person leaves you? What happens when that person dies? What happens when your marriage becomes shaky? If you come in today and you're talking about, well, hey, children and grandchildren, they're the future, right? Well, what happens when none of them follow Jesus? What I'm trying to do for you, Mercy Fellowship, is I'm trying to get you to the place to see you can't build your life on any of these things. You can't have hope that's built upon any of these foundations. And so I want you to see this. Jesus, he's, he's our only hope. You with me on that, church? Amen? He's our only hope. It's not that he's just an option for hope and you can go look and find hope elsewhere. No, he is the only option we have for hope. You think about the old hymn, Christ the Solid Rock, and it says, On Christ the solid rock I stand, in all other ground of wealth, of success, of family, of fame, you insert the blank. It is sand. It is sinking ground. No, build your life on Jesus, Mercy Fellowship. Don't build your life on anything else. Peter, he goes on to talk about, hey, you've been born again, and you've been born again to a living hope. Living hope can also be translated another way, which is the hope of life. And this, Mercy Fellowship, is what we build our lives off of. This is the foundation that we have. And this is unlike anything that you and I possess in this world. The things that you and I have in this world, they all, they all, they all perish. The new car you got that's so cool, it's going to perish. The Tesla you got that you thought was indestructible, it's going to perish. The new job you have, it's going to perish. The money you make, it's going to perish. All of these things, they will perish. But guess what? The inheritance you have with God, that is imperishable. That is undefiled. That is unfading. It is kept in heaven, being guarded by God himself. These lights, these lights are going to perish. The whole building's going to perish. All of the glory of God. You have an inheritance given to you by God himself. You have a hope that doesn't fail, Mercy Fellowship. Hold on to that. Second thing you have is this. You have hope as an anchor. The writer of Hebrews, he says this. He says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. The writer here is talking about Jesus and how Jesus goes before us to God and acts as our mediator between God and man. And because of that, you can have hope. You can have certainty. You can have confidence going before the throne of God. And the, the picture, I love the picture here of this, of, of this anchor for the soul. Of that's what hope is, right? Of that's what hope is and that's what hope does in our lives. Because when, when politics take place and we start voting for people, right, all misplaced hope all of a sudden happens. But if you've got hope in Jesus, hey, drop that anchor. Don't fall prey. You have a hope that anchors your soul. When it becomes really attractive and really sexy for you to not follow Jesus because none of your coworkers do, no one at your college or any of your friends do, drop that anchor. You have, a, you have an anchor for your soul. Trust in Jesus. You have hope as an anchor, and this anchor is to help you and me endure by faith. Now, Mercy Fellowship, I want us to be clear. This is good news. 
This is great news for the people of God. This, this hope that God gives us of a better future. People in this world don't have that. This is a luxury that you and I have as followers of Jesus. But we need to talk about why this is a good news for us. Right? So what that you've been born again to a living hope? So what that you have an inheritance? What does that mean if it doesn't impact how you live at all? If it's all just up here mentally, but it never works its way to the heart and to the soul. The true test of whether this is true and genuine is when you are facing trials, when you're facing suffering, when you're facing pain. At those moments, that is when hope will either be found to be true or not. Let's continue on, see what Peter has to say to say to us. Verses 6 and 7, he says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Three things I want us to get from this section. Number one, our future determines how we live in the present. Uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a funeral that was held here at the church, and, and some of you were here for that funeral, and I was running sound, and, and uh, there was a guy uh, that was playing hymns and just shredding on his guitar, absolutely shredding. It was so cool. I ended up filming it, and one of the songs he played was Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Now, show of hands, how many of you know what that song is? Okay, quite a few of you. I felt really dumb because I brought that home to Ruth. She's like, oh, everyone knows that song, and I'm like, I've never heard that song before. I thought it was a beautiful song, so I ended up going home and looking at this song, and the song Swing Low, Sweet Cherry, it was most likely written by slaves in the 1800s. And as they're working in horrific conditions, as they're being treated less than human, this song brings them hope. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. It's talking about uh, Elijah, how Elijah was taken off in a chariot and brought home. The last line, the last verse of that song says, I'm sometimes up and I'm sometimes down, coming for to carry me home, but still my soul feels heavenly bound, coming for to carry me home. What's happening in that? This song is allowing these people to survive in horrific conditions, and it's giving them hope that, hey, this isn't going to be forever, that there's a greater future ahead for me. It allowed them to survive Mercy Fellowship. And I want you to hear this for me, uh, from me today. If you don't hear anything else I say, at least hear me say this. Um, whoever has the most hope wins. You get that? Whoever has the most hope wins. You think about who Peter's writing to as a, in the church and suffering horrifically, being tortured, being martyred for their faith. 2,000 years later, where's Rome? What is Rome? Rome is nothing more than a pile of rocks that once was. Where's the church? Church is alive and well, growing across the globe. And as Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail. Whoever has the most hope wins. I want you to know that. Nations come and go. The kingdom of God is being built upon the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a hope. And that hope uh, for the future determines our present Second thing I want to say to you is this, a hope, we have a hope that is refined. Peter, he goes farther than really any of us in the church want to go, and he talks about how the pain and suffering that you might actually be dealing with right now in your life, 
It might actually be a, a gift from God. Now, if you're offended by that, I'll give you Pastor Chris's email at the end of service, and you can write him an email, tell him how mad you are. But, but this might actually be a gift from God, your suffering and your pain and your hardship you're going through right now. How so? Well, Peter talks about it like this. He says that, hey, hey, this suffering that you're fit going through, it's kind of like a fire, right? And you, as an image bearer of God, you're kind of like gold. And, but the gold, when it comes out of the mountain, it, it's lumpy, it's not clean, it's got dirt and debris in it. And you need to go into that fire, and as you're in that fire, all those impurities are going to be burned off and burned away. And the result is going to be something that's pure and beautiful, left over afterwards. And Peter is saying, hey, you've, you've got misplaced hopes in different areas. And when you go through suffering and pain and hardships, those, those things, they, they burn off. Those false hopes, they burn away to where what you're left with, with is hope in Jesus alone. That's a beautiful thing, Mercy Fellowship. That means that God can take your suffering and redeem it for his glory and your benefit. The world's view of suffering, the world's view of pain is that it's useless. The world's view of this is that it's no good for you and you'd be better without it. Uh, but our God, Mercy Fellowship, is bigger than that. We worship a God who makes all things work together for the good of those that are called according to his purposes. All things. In fact, one of the psalmists, Psalm 119, I believe, he said, God, it was good for me that I was afflicted so that I might know you. If on the other side of your pain and your suffering you know Jesus better, that's a win. Mercy Fellowship, that's a win. And praise be to God that he can redeem such things like that. Our hope is refined, but I want to be clear. Don't hear me say this. I don't want you leaving today and thinking, okay, Curtis just wants me to be more, more optimistic. No, you're not saved to be optimistic. I'm not trying to save you from being pessimistic. Hope completely demolishes and runs over optimism and, uh, and, uh, and uh, pessimism, right? The third thing I have for you is this. Hope saves us from optimism and pessimism. When I was in uh, eighth grade, I went to uh, the Evergreen State Fair, and they were holding a 4th of July event, and it was one of the biggest redneck events I've ever been to in my life. Uh, if you think about Monroe, Washington, I thought it just fit the mold perfectly for what I pictured Monroe, Washington to be. And uh, we go there, and there's people that are racing school buses, there's a demo derby that's happening, and like, people are like, flying out of the cars, and people are cheering. Like, it was a, it's a wild thing. The night ends, and I'm not even kidding, the night ends with it's dark out, we've got a school bus, and they built a ramp for the school bus, and it's going to jump over two RVs, and then we're going to rock out to Leonard Skinner as fireworks are going off afterwards. Like, this is just perfect, Monroe, Washington. You know, I was so blown away. Anyway, so you get round, wound up, the bus goes, doesn't catch any air, completely demos the RVs it was trying to jump over, it lands on the other side, fireworks go off, you know. God bless America, all that jazz, right? And so I was thinking, hey, I need to redeem this event that's happened in my life. I'll throw it into a sermon, and I'll see how it lands. And, uh, and I was thinking about it like this, right? Hope comes along like, a, like that bus and completely demos optimism or pessimism. And here's how. The pessimist comes along, and the pessimist is just so negative about the future. Everything's broken. Everything's wrong. Nothing's right in the world. And you know what? They might actually be right. But what, what, you're going to live life like that? You can't go into the future as a pessimist. However, the optimist comes along, though, and the optimist is kind of naive and ignorant about the future. Future's going to be better. Future's going to be bright. 
I was looking at, at where people get hope, and there was an article I saw from the Huffington Post, and it said, I have hope because the sun rises and sets. How? How do you have hope because of that? Right? This optimism that people might have, it's, it, it's, it's looking to the future, and it sounds great, but it's ignorant. It's not grounded in, in anything. Us, as followers of Jesus, have the unique privilege of being more real than a pessimist, to say, yeah, the world's broken. Yeah, the world's messed up. In fact, being here at Mercy Fellowship, we're a reformed church, we believe in total depravity. That means we really believe that the world's broken due to sin. And even from that, we have the hope of the gospel, though, where we can be more real than a pessimist, but we can even be more genuine than an optimist to go in and say, yeah, the world's broken, yeah, the world's bad, yeah, there's death and decay and all of that, but we have a future because we have a resurrected Jesus. We have a future Mercy Fellowship, despite all the pain and all the hardships that we might face. We have an inheritance. We have a hope that saves us from optimism and pessimism. And so we've looked at living hope. We've looked about how a living hope is tested by fire. And then we're going to conclude this section of Scripture we have of looking at a living hope obtained. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We often think that when we don't hear from God, that means he's gone or he's absent in our lives. If we don't see him, if we don't hear from him, that's not always the case. In fact, we're in the Advent season We're looking about Jesus coming to earth as man, Emmanuel, God with us. And leading up to that, in between the last book of the Old Testament and the very first book in the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence. No prophet arises in that time and says, thus says the Lord. It is a time of silence and it's a time of people who are longing for God to come. I will sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, after after the, the sermon here. That's a song of longing. God, would you arrive? God, would you show up? And we think that when God's quiet, that God is absent from our suffering and pain, but the reality is quite the opposite. God is always with his people, despite his silence. Peter, he goes on to challenge them. He's like, hey, hey, you love God, don't you? Even though you don't see him? You love him even though you don't hear from him, right? It's not, church, that, that, that because you don't hear from him, he's gone. No, no, he's with you, he's present, and it is by faith that you believe that God is for me and not against me. It is by faith you believe, hey, God is with me in my suffering and in my pain. And it is by faith, church, that one day we will be born again to a living hope, and and the reward for that is the salvation of our souls that Peter is talking about. Years ago, I was watching a debate between Christopher Hitchens and a guy named John Lennox. And Christopher Hitchens, he's an atheist and has since passed away. And John Lennox, he's a a Christian. He's a a professor of mathematics at Oxford, so he knows a lot. Really smart. I like it when he debates people. And Christopher Hitchens was railing against him, saying, oh, yeah, the father in heaven, right, always watching over his kids, always the overbearing father, always seeing what they're doing. How horrible must that be to have as a father? And he didn't recognize that he stepped in it because John Lennox clapped back, and I was so happy. He said, when Christians and people of faith were in concentration camps in World War II, it was a great comfort to them to know that God was with them. 
it was a great comfort for them to know that with their suffering, with their pain, God had not forgotten them. Mercy Fellowship, I pray for you this morning that it's a comfort for you to know that God's with you. I pray it's a comfort that you know that Jesus has not left you despite your pain and suffering. Jesus Christ is the friend that never forsakes you. Never forsakes you. Jesus, he is the God who uh, always follows through. He doesn't give you a promise and then fall short. We can trust in Mercy Fellowship. If he has been faithful to us in the past, we can trust that he is going to be faithful to us in the future. In fact, so faithful is Jesus to you and to me that he saw our sin, he saw our brokenness, he saw where we were, and he came to rescue us entered history as a human being, lived a perfect life for 30 plus years, went to the cross so that he could take our sin and give us his perfect standing with God so that by faith in Jesus, by being born again, you might have a living hope. Mercy Fellowship, do you have this living hope inside of you? Do you have this hope that's given to you by the gospel of Jesus? Have you believed and trusted in Jesus? How do you feel about the future? Hmm? How do you feel about where we are going as a society? The hope we have as followers of Jesus is that it's all going to be okay. Darkness will not win. Light will prevail. There will be no more sin or pain or suffering anymore. Some of you this morning, you've gone through some real hard times. You've gone through some hell. And one day those things will be taken and you'll be given a whole new life. Death has taken people from you, and one day death's grip will be loosened, and those people will be given back to you. You know, I lost my dad when I was 12, and one of the hopes I have as a follower of Jesus is that I'm going to be reunited with him one day. I can't wait for that. I got so much to catch up with him on. I got married, you know? There's so much to talk about. You know, uh, Pastor Chris, he's over at a, a church in Salem, Oregon. He was scheduled to preach there um, uh, ahead of time. And I, usually we'll shoot each other's texts in the morning, like, kind of like a rah-rah, like, hey, go get it. You know, gates of hell won't prevail. Go preach hard, all that kind of stuff. And I shot him a text, and he shot me a text back that the, the church he's preaching at, the associate, pastor's eight, the associate pastor's 18-year-old son died yesterday in a car accident. What does he have for hope? What does he have for hope? Church, I'm not trying to manipulate you with talking about my story, talking about that one. I'm giving you real life. Life's hard. Life has suffering. Life has pain. And if you don't have hope for the future, it looks incredibly bleak. Oh, but for God's people, Mercy Fellowship, we've got a bright future ahead of us when you trust in Jesus. Let's pray.